Welcome to Season 1 of Story Sonic, the universe of infinite possibility. In the universe of infinite possibility, anything can and will happen. These stories tell the tales of the worlds in this universe. Now join me in exploring the planet Aqua in this week's story, Swim. The sun shone through the beams and girders underneath the old moor as it crested the horizon in the north. Lucia always told her friends that this was the most beautiful place to watch the sunrise in all of Module 5, but no one ever joined her. Perhaps it was because no one believed her, or perhaps it was the proximity to the ocean surface. For people who lived in a giant city that floated on a planet covered entirely in water, her friends didn't seem to like it all too much. Lucia, however, loved the water. Every time Module 5 dropped anchor to begin a new algae harvest, she would make her way from her apartment, through the winding, narrow, cluttered streets of Old Moor, past the fishmongers who were always trying to sell yesterday's catch, through tight alleyways between the tall, precariously stacked buildings that closed the gap above her, all the way to the edge of the barge. That's what she had done this morning, waking well before the first work siren. She had dressed in her darkest colors to fade into the shadows. If the white coats caught her out between sirens, she'd spend a week in the brig. Fortunately, she knew that Aster was on duty today. Aster was sweet on her, and always let her go with a warning. But he had not caught her this morning, and she had made it to the outer catwalk without disturbing the morning silence. She looked down at the waves gently lapping the side of the rear buoyancy modulator, softly reflecting the gentle moonlight and her heart rose in her chest. Normally, when the habitation unit was traveling from harvest to harvest, the water surrounding the modulator churned violently. Death was certain if you fell in the water while Module 5 was moving. They must have dropped anchor sometime in the middle of the night, Lucia thought. The water was only safe when the engines were idled and the harvesters were dropped. She nearly sprinted to the hatch on the catwalk that led to her only path to the surface of the water a rusted ship's ladder that hitched back and forth the hundred or so feet to the buoyancy modulator maintenance level. She lifted the hatch and climbed through, being careful to close it gently in spite of the excitement that was flooding through her body. Once on the ladder, she began her descent, counting the steps as she went. In the darkness of the early morning, it was nearly impossible to see the steps, but Lucia had trod this path so often that she knew the number of every step on the ladder. The further down she went, the faster she descended, letting her excitement get the better of her and forgetting her cautious silence. By the time she could see the maintenance platform one flight below her, she was nearly sprinting down the ladder, counting the steps aloud to herself like an out-of-breath song. As she passed the last few steps, she began quickly undressing, down to her base layer. She had made this garment of her own design. The kelp fiber that made up the fabric dried quickly after a swim, and the shark skin on the front and back protected her torso from any unfortunate accidents. Lucia tossed her clothes on the floor of the platform as she sprinted to the edge and leapt off, twisting into a spear as she dove into Aqua's waters. She slipped under the surface with an almost imperceptible splash. The water in this area was warm, salty, and filled with green algae. Lucia guessed they had to be close to the equator. 
While the people who lived in the finer districts of Module 5 had global positioning displays on multiple giant screens scattered throughout the area, Old Moore had only one screen that had stopped working a few years before Lucia had been born. The district council claimed it was only a matter of time before the central body sent a repair team to assess the problem. But Lucia was 18, and she had only seen the central body's grand vehicle once, on some important anniversary when she was 12, as it passed through the entire city barge in a celebratory parade. In spite of the neglect from the powers within, the people of Old Moor had developed their own methods of discerning their location on the planet's water-covered surface through context clues like temperature, relative salinity, and algae color. This information fell quickly out of Lucia's mind, as she became enveloped in the absolute ecstasy of swimming in the Everdeep, as her grandparents had called the waters. She twisted and flipped through the water, languishing in the fluid movement through the algae bloom. She had never felt more free than when she was swimming, and had loved it ever since her nan had snuck her down to this very spot on the barge and let her swim for the first time. She exhilarated at the thought of the nearly endless, empty depths below her, hiding the long-drowned past of the world before the flood. One day, she hoped, she would join the reclamation endeavor and explore the depths in their subsurface mariners. Until then, she would keep coming down here to swim in the waters of the Everdeep whenever she could. Nearly an hour passed while Lucia lost herself in dreams of the future while she swam. She had nearly completely lost track of time when she looked back toward the platform and saw the early morning sun shining off the white metal coat of a central police soldier. Her heart dropped in her chest. She had been so careful. How had they found her? She had made this trip more harvest than she could count and no one had ever caught her in the water. She was in serious trouble now. There was a minimum two-year sentence for corrupting the algae harvest. Knowing the inevitability of her arrest, Lucia began to slowly approach the edge of the platform. As she got closer, the white coat made no move with its weapon, unusual in a situation of clear law violation. Lucia squinted her eyes at the shining figure on the platform, and as she passed into the shade of the barge, she recognized a familiar face. You know, if I was anyone else, you'd probably be dead right now. Lucia broke into a broad grin as she looked into the blinking optical sensors of Aster 4116 and knew she would not be going to prison. As she finally climbed the last few feet up the platform, Aster reached out a sleek metal hand to help her up. Lucia took it and allowed the robotic soldier to lift her the rest of the way onto the platform. She laughed as she landed on her feet and punched Aster playfully on the shoulder. You scared the living daylights out of me, Tin Can. I thought for sure I had swam for the last time. How'd you find me anyway? The light under the metal grates on Aster's cheeks glowed a soft red. Lucia knew this was the robot's version of blushing. Well, to be honest, and don't be mad at me, promise. Lucia looked at him suspiciously. Were you following me again, you old lech bot? The light on his cheeks glowed brighter, and he quickly waved his hands in front of himself. No, well, yes, but not for the reasons you're thinking. Bot's honor. You have just talked about the sunrise from under the city so much, I thought I'd come and see what it was like, and I didn't know how else to see it, so I... Followed me again. You know, Aster, if you weren't so cute, I'd be really mad at you right now. The light on Aster's cheeks was now glowing so bright that Lucia had to squint just to look at his face. It was a gentle face, for a robot, not like many of the others she had seen, all hard lines and sharp points. Aster's design had more softness and curves, giving his metallic features an almost human-like countenance. But the things that were truly unique about Aster were his eyes. They weren't eyes in the traditional sense, the way that humans defined them. 
they were more accurately light-absorbing diodes. What this meant was that, instead of color and vibrancy, Aster's eyes were dark, black voids in the mantle of his face. Lucia only ever noticed them when she was this close, nearly chest to chest with the sweet, sentient robot she called her friend. She turned away, beginning to blush herself, and sat down on the edge of the platform, gesturing for Aster to sit next to her. He obliged, his actuators quietly releasing as he bent down and put his legs over the edge. Well, what do you think? Lucia looked again into Aster's eyes as he remained transfixed on the light shifting brightly through the underbelly of Module 5. It is beautiful. She leaned her head on his metallic shoulder, making him blush once again. It is, isn't it? They sat in silence for some time, watching the sun rise slowly in the northern sky before finally making their way back up the catwalk behind Old Moor. They made the long ascension in silence, pausing occasionally to watch the sunbeams as they cascaded through the metal grating of the ground level of the habitation barge. Thanks to Aster's connection to the security protocol mainframe, they returned to the hatch in the catwalk without any notice by any of the other Central Police soldiers. Lucia looked up into Aster's impenetrably deep eyes and smiled. I have to stop by my apartment before work. Thanks for not writing me out. Aster blushed again. He raised his hand and rested it behind his head and laughed. Well, you know me, Luce. If I'm not on duty, then I didn't see it. He turned, suddenly rigidly militaristic as the speaker in his ear began to relay an urgent series of binary beeps. Lucia pursed her brow as she tried to interpret the compressed information. Aster had been trying to teach her the intricacies of binary communication, and she was doing well, but the digital language lacked the organic fluidity of the human tongue, and when communicated at high speeds, it was difficult for her to get all the information. She parsed out, distant, and warning, but the rest went by too quickly for her to comprehend. The look on Aster's face grew darker as a quick series of images flashed across his LADs. Is everything all right? Lucia reached out to Aster's hand, and he jerked back into reality. I'm fine. Security blast from Central HQ. I don't think it's anything to worry about, but... He squeezed her hand and looked into her eyes. I've got to go. Duty calls. Literally. Lucia chuckled at her own joke as they both turned down their respective alleys. She picked up the pace and yelled over her shoulder. Stay out of trouble, you big deadbolt. I'll see you when I get off work. The sound of Aster's metallic footfalls on the steel floor of the alleyway was his only response. Lucia broke into a light jog, carefully weaving her way back through the fishmonger stalls, through the crowds of people making their way to the tea houses for their morning ritual, through the entrance to her apartment building, and finally into her sanctuary. The early morning sun spilled through the reed blinds over the window, casting a gentle glow on the uncluttered single room that Lucia called home. She walked over to the wall next to her bed and pressed a discreet button. The steel panel slid sideways, revealing a modestly adorned shrine hidden amongst the clothes of her closet. From a pocket in her kelp suit, she pulled a soft ball of algae. She had found it years ago during one of her secret swims with her grandmother. It's a fortune seed, Nan had said when Lucia had shown her the green lump. If you keep it in a wet place and take it with you when you swim, good fortune will grow with you. Smiling at the memory, she placed the algae in a small basin in front of the statue of the sea goddess Oresta her three scaled tails encircling a small font of water. Good fortune, Aresta. Tell Nan I said thanks. She quickly changed into her rugged work jumpsuit and sat down at the foot of her bed to pull on the tough uniform-issued boots. A soft, tinkling alarm emitted from the glowing cylindrical timepiece on her nightstand. She leaned over and slapped at the top of the device, silencing the alarm. 
she bounced out of the bed, grabbing her neon vest from the hooks next to the door. Taking one last look at her cozy little room, she headed outside and down the stairs to the now bustling streets below. She stopped briefly at a tea stall to grab her ritual, coyly smiling at the service bot as it dispensed the deep blue beverage into a thin bottle. Lightly and briskly, she walked down the streets of the old moor, passing at last through the tall, gleaming gates of the Module Special Research and Development District, or MOSRED, as everyone knew it. The difference between the two districts was immediately noticeable. Where there were once cluttered, clustered buildings leaning against one another, now there were sharp, calculated, interlocking shapes. The rusted steel of the old moor was replaced by a lightweight combination of aluminum and bioplastic. Lucia always loved going this way to work. The bioplastic was her favorite part of the district. Along with her colleagues at the Lydion Environmental Advancement Facility, Lucia had developed this material using algae byproducts. She was a member of the quality control team, constantly running stress tests on new variants of the bioplastic and recording the results. She walked through the sliding translucent doors of the facility as she slid her keycard over the contactless security terminal, which blinked a binary hello to her as she passed. She had nearly made it to her office when she felt the first tremor. She thought it was odd that the buoyancy modulators would be restoring power this soon after anchor. But when the second and third tremors hit in quick succession, she realized that something was wrong. In the distance, the chilling buzz of the emergency sirens began echoing its way out from the central body, quickly spreading to the outer districts as the fourth and fifth tremors began to rattle the building around her. The lights in the facility flickered. What's going on? Lucia shouted to one of the security guards as they ran past her toward the front door. A creature. Some sort of giant worm. It just appeared off the edge of the old moor. Lucia's heart dropped as she sprinted towards the door. Aster was there. She knew it. That must have been what the message said. She fought her way past the crowds in the main causeway until she broke through to an alley which led to the outer catwalk that would take her back towards home, back towards her friend. When she finally burst through the cluster of buildings to the open sky of the catwalk, she saw the serpent. The waters around its scaled body churned with black foam dozens of feet from the spot where Lucia had swam earlier that morning. She fell onto the rail as the beast slammed its massive tail against the side of the barge, racking it with another tremor. She tried to stand again, but found herself frozen in fear. The creature towered hundreds of feet into the air, its deep blue scales glinting in the sun as it opened its angular toothy maw and let loose a bone-piercing screech. Lucia tried to cover her ears as she fell to her knees, still clinging to the rail of the catwalk. She closed her eyes, quietly praying to Oresta for good fortune. She felt the metal of the catwalk begin to crumple as the serpent lashed out against the barge. She was falling. Aster's blushing face was the last image in her mind as her body slammed against the stiff surface of the ocean, and her world went black. Thank you for listening to Story Sonic, an episodic storytelling podcast focused on exploratory world building through character growth. This story was written and narrated by me, Max Nolan Young. Special thanks to Angelwing at Excel Music Publishing for the use of our theme song, The Nymphaeum Part 5. You can find new episodes of Story Sonic every other Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We don't pay for any advertising, and word of mouth is the best way for our stories to reach new ears. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at StorySonic. That's Story, S-O-D-I-C. Thanks for exploring with us, and be safe out there. Brought to you by Dryer Sock Productions. Pop that pizza pie in the oven, baby. We're about to start a podcast.